Father, we thank you for the word of God. Lord, we thank you that it is powerful, that it is quick, and that it is alive. And Father, I thank you tonight, Lord, as we speak and uh, preach the word, the truth, that Lord, that it's going to pierce our hearts, that it's going to get down into those areas, Lord, that we need it. That Lord, it's going to bring the change that I so desperately need in my life. Father, I thank you tonight for revelation. I thank you tonight for manifestation. I thank you, Lord, for uh, just sitting in this place with us tonight, Lord, through your word, speaking to your people, uh, encouraging us, correcting us, loving us, Father, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Whenever we come to church, we should be, really, we shouldn't look at it like church. We should look at it like a classroom. It really is what it is. Churches really was never about just come and sit and then leave. It was really always supposed to be a classroom. And uh, that's why you want to bring your Bible and bring a pen and paper and take some notes. If, uh, if you were going to have to go live on the moon in the next six months and you had to take classes on what you were going to need to live and survive there, would you take any notes? Yeah. Amen. This is the exact same thing. God is trying to teach you how to live in a different planet. Amen. So when we learn to walk and live by faith, we're taking ourselves out of this natural environment and we're putting ourselves into his environment. But we have to learn how to live there, how to walk there, how to breathe there, those types of things. So I encourage us, take notes. Amen. Go back and look at them. Get the CDs. Listen to this stuff on YouTube. It is not about us. It is about God giving us something specific for you. Amen. And so uh, if we uh, keep track of it and um, take some notes, and then all of a sudden God can bring that back to um, our memory. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. And it just simply says, let your character or moral disposition... You know what, let's do it out of just the King James and make it easier. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. Read the last part of that again. Be content with such things as you have. It is it wrong is what Paul is Paul telling us that we should be content just with whatever we have. Should we ever want more or should we just be content wherever we are in life? Should we just be content with where we are? That's really not what he's trying to convey to us. Amen. What he's talking about is covetous thinking. What he's really trying to say, and this is another part of the faithfulness of God, is Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, the second part of this scripture. And I really, really, really want you to listen to what I'm about to say, because God is faithful. Say, God is faithful. God is faithful. And if you're going through something tonight, if you feel like you're all alone, if you're isolated, if you're lonely, if you're depressed, if you're anxious, whatever it is that you're dealing with, what I'm about to read to you is from God's lips to your ears. And this will bring healing, peace, and deliverance to whatever you're going through if you will use your faith and believe what is being said. Are you ready? Are you ready? Now, this is out of the Amplified Version, and it says, For he, God himself, has said, I will not in any way fail you nor give you up, nor leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not, in any degree, leave you helpless, nor forsake you, nor let you down, relax my hold on you, assuredly not. Now, is there anything ambiguous about that scripture? Is there any wiggle room that God leaves himself that says, 
you know, depending on how I feel that day will be dependent on how I treat you that day. No, what does God say? I will not, I will not, I will not. I will not leave you helpless. I will not leave you without support. I will not alter my stance towards you in one, by one degree. But you know why? Because God is faithful. God is faithful to each and every one of us. God is faithful. So when he says, don't be, when Paul says, be content with what you have, what he's saying is, is don't go after things, go after me. Because if you'll go after me, I'll add all these things to you. When we spend our life going after things, and that is the definition of being covetousness. That is always wanting, going after material things. Always, no matter what you have, whatever somebody has is always better. Never being content with what you are because we constantly live in this state where what we have, it's not good enough. It doesn't last. Someone always has something better. And God is saying, don't worry about all that. I'm faithful. You don't need all that. You got me. And if you got me, there's not anything that I can't get to you. But the problem is, is that we have to put our priorities first. We have to be about Him. Amen? If I'm going into this just trying to get ahead and make money and be rich and save money and all that, then I'm totally out of the will of God. But if I go after Him, if I make Him first place in all of my life, He'll direct my path and He'll lead me to everything. Is, is God a good God? Amen. Are there any shortages in heaven? No. Is there anybody? Has there ever been a recession in heaven? A depression? No. Has God ever had to lay anybody off? No. He fired one-third of the angels. That was the last hiring and firing thing that ever took place in heaven. You know why? Because God is faithful. Amen? Amen. God is faithful. Prosperity is a byproduct of knowing God. Prosperity is a byproduct of knowing God. Now, when I say knowing God, that's just not going to church. That's knowing God. Because if you really know God, the God of the Bible, there's no way that you could ever pull out of that that He wants you to be poor. If you really know the God of the Bible, then you know that His plans for you are yes and amen that his blessing, if you'll hook the faithfulness of God to the blessing of God, you'll never worry about money again in your life. Because the blessing that he's empowered us with through his son Jesus Christ has in it the ability to prosper in any circumstance or any situation. I never have to worry about money again. Why is that? Because I got him. And if I got him, I got the bank. The bank goes with me. Amen? Now, let me give you this next part. Well, I got this this morning. God is so good. If you open up your Bible and you actually look for something, He'll show you something. And I've never seen this before. But say this again. Prosperity is a byproduct of knowing God. So let's go to the book of Mark. Man, it got hot in here all of a sudden. It's all that yelling and screaming and hollering and hooting. We needed that. Thank you for being obedient to the Lord to do that. Good stuff. Mark chapter 1. We're 
We're talking about faithfulness. God is faithful. Uh, Mark chapter 1, verses uh, 39, and this is talking about Jesus. It says, uh, so he went through the whole of Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Obviously, we're talking about Jesus, right? In verse 40, and a leper came to him, begging him on his knees and saying to him, if you are willing, you are able to make me clean. You are able, say you are able able. to make me clean. clean. Now, let me ask you this. Anybody ever been to the doctor? When the doctor walked in the room and asked you what was wrong with you, did you ever say, make me clean? Think about that for a second. A leper. The worst that you could possibly be in Israel is a leper. You are cut off from the covenant. You are dying every single day. You are separated. You can't go to synagogue. You are as far away from God as you possibly can. So the leper goes to Jesus, and what does he say to Jesus? He says, make me clean. Why didn't he say, make me well? Because the leper was more aware of his spiritual condition. That was more important than his physical condition. His separation from God and separation from the covenant was more than his body parts falling off. Folks, there's something there. When we pay attention to our spiritual condition, our bodies will get healed. We have to be more aware of our spiritual condition instead of our symptoms, what's hurting, what are, we, what are we dealing with, we have to be more keenly aware of my relationship with God. I have a relationship with God. Say this, healing, healing. is a byproduct, a byproduct of, knowing God. of knowing God. It's for everybody. Now what happened to the leper? He got clean and it says when he got cleaned, he got healed. When we line up, amen, when we start acting like the spirit beings that we are, our body does not have a choice but to follow. Jesus didn't lay hands on him and say, be healed. Jesus said, be made clean. And when he was clean, when he was fixed in the spiritual, then he was fixed in the physical. See, we're spirit beings. Amen? Say, I'm a spirit being. Our spirit is the one that should be in control, not our soul. I'm not led by my mind, my will, and my emotion. I'm not to be led by how I feel that day. Amen. I'm to be led by my spirit. Because my spirit's always going to lead me in the right direction and the truth. My emotions will lead me wherever wherever they choose to lead me that day. Does that make sense? So, prosperity is a byproduct of knowing God. Healing is a byproduct of knowing God. The leopard knew that Jesus was a faithful high priest, and if he made him clean, he'd be healed in the process. Jesus is our healer. Amen? Amen. Jesus is our faithful high priest. The Holy Spirit is faithful. Amen? Amen? Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. 
But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So faithfulness, God is faithful, yes? Amen. Jesus is faithful, yes? The Holy Spirit's faithful. Are you sensing a pattern of faithfulness? They are faithful, faithful, faithful. God is faithful. Jesus is faithful. The Holy Spirit is faithful. Are we? <laughs> are we faithful? Oh, I'm getting some really sheepish looks right there. Are we faithful? If someone said, I'm having a contest to see who's the most faithful, who would win? Raise your hand. Okay, I'll take it. Come on, are we faithful? Is it in our DNA to be faithful? I've exhaustively proved it now that God is faithful. Remember what we talked about last Sunday? God's what? He's a faithful creator. Whatever God creates, he takes full responsibility for. Full responsibility for all the days of its life, propagates it to generation after generation after generation. He's faithful to his calling. Whoever he calls, he provides for. He's faithful to the calling. He's faithful to his word. Whatever his word says, he stands beside. He stands in, ready to perform whatever words have been spoken. He's faithful to his word, and he's faithful to forgive our sins. He's faithful. Jesus, in Hebrews, our faithful high priest. He's faithful because he's walked and sat just where we have. He's gone through everything that we've gone through. He's a faithful high priest. Nothing surprises Jesus. There's nothing you can take to the Lord where he's gone, oh, Lord, never heard of that one. That's a new one. No, why is that? Because he's sat where you've sat. He's been through what you've been through. He's a faithful high priest. The Holy Spirit is faithful. It's in our DNA. So when we get born again, we have it within us, the DNA to be faithful. Amen. Amen? Amen? So then, Proverbs chapter 20, verse 6. Proverbs 20, verse 6. I'll let you find it. Most men will, procla will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. What happened? All of a sudden, we have all of this faithfulness from the Father, faithfulness from Jesus, faithfulness from the Holy Spirit. When it gets to man, a faithful man, who can find? It's like, is there anybody faithful out there today? Is there anybody that's faithful? Now, it says that most men will proclaim his own goodness. We all have good intentions, right? We all intend to be faithful. Have you ever signed up for something out of good intentions? And then after you signed up for it, you were like, oh my gosh. Why in the world did I just sign up for that? I got caught up in the emotion. It sounded good. I had a good intention. It's a good thing, but there's no way I'm going to show up every Wednesday night at 7 o'clock in the morning for X, Y, or Z. I got caught up in the moment. Anybody ever get caught up in the moment? And you, oh, we have good intentions, right? We all have good intentions. But then a faithful man who can find because it takes faithfulness to actually do what we said we were going to do. Amen? And so that's where I want to go with for the rest of this evening. I want to talk about our faithfulness. I found this out about David. Acts chapter 13, verse 36. I think this is what I want on my tombstone if the Lord tarries. Not my pizza. 
my tombstone. Acts 13.36. Acts 13.36. It says, For David, after he had served God's will and purpose and counsel in his own generation, fell asleep in death and was buried among his forefathers, and he did see corruption and undergo putrefaction and dissolution of the grave. Or out of the King James it says, For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God. David served his own generation by the will of God. David was faithful. David served his entire generation, but here's the kicker, by the will of God. He did what he was told, therefore he was faithful. Amen? He did the will of God. Now, David was the most perfect man in the Bible, right? No indiscretions, no, no mess-ups, no hiccups. Great family life, wonderful family life. Kids loved each other, cared for one another. Was not a perfect man. Was David a perfect man? But yet he was still faithful to his own generation by doing the will of God. He did what God told him to do, therefore he was faithful. Amen? He did what God had told him to do. So, are we faithful? And I think that's something that we have to ask ourselves. Are we faithful? Usually when you do a, a message like this, the people that do everything feel condemned. Amen? And the ones that don't do anything, this goes right over their head. It's just kind of how this works. The ones that do everything are like, oh my gosh, I'm not doing enough. And the ones that aren't doing anything, they weren't hearing you in the first place anyway. Amen? So when we ask this question, are you faithful? I think we need to ask ourselves those questions. Am I faithful? God is faithful. Jesus is faithful. The Holy Spirit's faithful, therefore shouldn't I also be faithful? Matthew chapter 24, verses in 45. Matthew 24, 45. Don't you love it when Jesus just kind of lays it out for us? Makes it so easy. There's nothing ambiguous about what Jesus says. So this is in red, right? So if it's in red, what's that mean? That means Jesus said it. Matthew 24, 45. Who then is the faithful, thoughtful, and wise servant whom his master has put in charge of his household to give to the others the food and supplies at proper time? Who then is the faithful and wise servant? Verse 46, blessed, happy, and fortunate, and to be envied is that servant whom when his master comes, he will find him doing. So in order for us to be a faithful and wise servant to Jesus when he comes, when he comes, in order for us to be faithful, what must we be doing? Just doing? Just moving? Just because something's moving, does that mean there's something going on? 
in order for me to be a faithful and wise servant, when Jesus comes, he's put me in charge, what is it that I need to be doing when he comes? Whatever he told me to do. It's so simple. Whatever God has called us to do when he comes, that's what we need to be doing when he comes in order for us to be found faithful. That is so important. I am not responsible for for Steve. Any of the three Steves on the front row, pick one. Steve in the back, we got all Steve, we got Steve, 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 Steve. Amen. I'm not responsible for a single Steve in the room for what they're doing. It's not my job to make sure that Steve's doing his part for God. Steve, do your part, do your part, because when the master comes, make sure he finds you doing. It's not my job to make sure that he's doing. Sorry. Sorry. You all right? I'm sorry. It's my job to make sure that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm not going to be judged for what Steve was supposed to be doing. I'm going to be judged for what Jack was supposed to be doing. In order for me to be a faithful and wise servant, I have to do whatever it is that God told me to do. And that sounds so simple, but in a few seconds, I'm going to show you how we get off from that very, very simple truth. Amen? I have to be faithful. If I want to be a faithful and wise servant, then I have to do whatever it is that he called me to do. The definition of a faithful and wise servant is one who is doing what he was told the way the master wanted it when he returns. A lot of times, um, you know, when we talk about grace, there's a lot of teaching about grace. There's, um, there's like hyper grace, amen? Grace where God has done everything and I don't have to do anything. Have you ever heard that before? Kind of like a once saved, always saved type of a theology. Jesus did it all, therefore I don't have to do anything. Jesus has done it all. And yes, there are truths to that, but if Jesus has done it all, how do I ever develop any faithfulness if I don't have to do anything? Do you ever think about that? If faithfulness is what God is looking for, who can find a faithful man if Jesus is going to come back and he's looking for a faithful man, but yet grace says that Jesus has done everything and I don't have to do anything, then where do I develop this faithfulness that Jesus is going to come back and look for? It doesn't work. Amen? To be faithful, that means I have to develop it. Can I jump to one of my favorite points that I want to make tonight? There can be no faithfulness without submission. There can be no faithfulness without submission. That servant was submitted to his master. So when the master said, I'm giving you food to go and to take care of my household and I'm going to return one day, in order for that servant to be found faithful, he had to submit himself to the will of his master. And sometimes that word submission is not a word that everybody likes to hear. Did you realize that Jesus came to the earth and he submitted himself to John's ministry? And it was in that beautiful picture of submission that the Holy Spirit came upon him. Had Jesus not submitted himself to John, would he ever had the Holy Spirit come upon him? 
So if it's important for Jesus to submit to someone, how important is it for us? There's such a spiritual truth and a spiritual power that comes out of serving and submitting to somebody. If you're ever in a church or any place where that pastor, that minister, that preacher, that whoever is not submitted to someone, run. Because there's no covering. There's no head. Who, there, there, there should be somebody in our lives that can tell us no. That we will value what they have to say and do it. If I set myself up as supreme ruler in my house, that whatever I say goes... I'm the man, I make all the money, I make these decisions, I'd be dead. She would shoot me. No, <laughs> she's good. No, because I need her intuition. I need her, she, we make so many decisions. There's so many times that I'm like, okay, let's do this. And she's like, but honey, have you thought about this, this, and this? No, I haven't, but amen. And I'll submit, we get along so well, because we've learned to submit to one another. There's no one supreme ruler in the house except God. So without submission, there can be no faithfulness. We all, that's why I'm so big on us serving in the church, finding a place of ministry within this church body and serving. It is healthy to your growth and to your life to be connected to the body, submitted to someone somewhere and producing. It is a protection for you. It is a growth for you. It opens up your spiritual arteries where more blood can get to you for your growth, for your protection, and for your promotion. Faithfulness is your promotion in the earth and your resume in the spirit. Without faithfulness, God looks across all of his great servants and he sees a resume and he says, a faithful man. I need somebody faithful to do something for me. He's not looking for the prettiest. He's not looking for the tallest. He's not looking for the most educated. He's not looking for the best looking. He's not looking for the best speaker. He's looking for the one that will do what he tells them to do. And if he can find a man or a woman like that, they can change the world. Moses changed the world. Why is that? Because he listened to a burning bush. And he did what God told him to do. David, not a perfect man, many, many problems in his life, but he didn't have this one truth. He was faithful and he did whatever God told him to do. Yeah. And he was quick to repent. Amen? So don't let grace try and tell you, I don't have to do anything. Jesus has done it all. No, no. We need something to develop faithfulness in. Look at Proverbs chapter 28, 20. You don't have to go there. It says, a faithful man will abound with blessings. A faithful man will abound with blessings. Well, if grace tells me that I don't have to develop any faith, then how am I going to be blessed? Because if I don't develop any faithfulness, how am I going to abound with blessings? So now, obviously, my blessings are synonymous with my faithfulness. When I serve, when I put my hand to the plow, when I'm faithful at work, how many of you have jobs? If when you're faithful at work, do they, are, there, are there opportunities for bonus and for blessing? Yes, absolutely. No, all the housewives are like, no. <laughs> yes. You get a 
chocolate once in a while or something nice. Yes. But a faithful man or a woman will abound with blessings unless we are being faithful, unless we are submitted to someone somewhere serving and operating in this biblical pattern. How are the blessings going to come? We're all believing for blessings. Amen. But are we doing what's necessary to predicate those blessings to come? Am I out there just doing it my own way? I serve when I want. I come and go as I please. No one ties me down. I'm not a part of one church. I go to many churches. I like to float. I like to, I like to cruise around. I don't like to be stuck in one place. Well, guess what? You're unfaithful. Sorry. That's unfaithfulness. But yet, the problem is, is that those that are unfaithful want the blessings of being faithful. And when they don't get them, they get offended and they leave. I was faithful. Were you? Yes, I showed up early. I stayed late. I brought all of these ideas. I had these great thoughts. I did all these things. That's wonderful, but did you do what we asked you to do? Uh, no. But I brought all this energy. I, I had these ideas. I had these thoughts. I had this, all this stuff I came in that I wanted to do. No, no, you came in with an agenda. And if you come in with an agenda, you have to submit yourself. Look, I have to submit myself to the vision of this house. There's not four different heads in here. Amen? It's not them and us. We submit to the pastor of the church. I have to submit to the vision of his house. Everything I do, I have to submit it unto him. Amen? I don't just go off and go do my old thing and then say, Dad, bless it. After you develop trust, then you are given a little bit more leeway to operate within the, vi the, the vision. Amen? But when we come in and we have our own preconceived ideas, maybe we brought some ideas from another place. Maybe we came somewhere where, where something like this worked. And so we come in and we want to do it our way. I want to do it this way. Well, if that's not the vision of the house, you can get up early, you can stay late, you can sacrifice, you can worship, you can roll around on the ground, you can cry, you can bring every bit of spiritual energy you have, but yet you're still being unfaithful because you haven't done what was asked of you. And people get so frustrated with that because they don't want to submit to somebody else's vision. I know better. I'm smarter. I know more. And what happens is maybe you just have a lot of knowledge, but we have a lot of wisdom. And wisdom is being able to take knowledge and apply it where it actually will do something. Amen? I'm not stepping on too many toes, am I? No? All right. Hallelujah. You can only be faithful where there's a vision. You can only be faithful where there's a vision. If there's no vision, there's nothing to connect to. You don't know what to do. If we don't give you a vision, you just kind of come in and you're just like, well, I guess I'll do this. Uh, you know, we've gone through many years where, <laughs> what are we doing? What's our vision? Amen? What's the vision of West Houston Christian Center? What's the, what's the vision of this church? Uh oh All right, homework. We have a website, westhoustonchristian.com. 
On it, it will list the full vision. You should kind of know what you're a part of. You know, there might be a tax that we take at the end of every year of like $10,000. You know, you probably, you know, you might want to know that. No, we don't do that kind of thing. Amen. But the vision of this church is Ephesians chapter four. We're a body firmly fitted together, each part supplying its need. Amen. We're, we're, we're growth. Did you get it, Jim? Did you say it? Virgil got it. Amen. But if there's no vision, then you don't know how to be faithful because we haven't given you anything to be faithful to. Amen. There has to be something for you to connect with. That's where that scripture comes from in uh, Proverbs 29, 18. It says, where there is no revelation or prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. We each need a vision. If there's no clear-cut vision, do you notice that when Moses went up into the mountains to get the Ten Commandments, the people had no vision. They didn't know where Moses had gone, didn't know if he was coming back. All they hear is lightning hitting the mountain. So what did they begin to do? They had nothing to connect to. There was no vision. Therefore, they reverted back to their old behavior and they began to have a party. There was nothing to connect them to. So there has to be vision. In order for there to be faithfulness, there has to be a vision for you to connect to. Luke chapter 16. Everybody okay? Luke chapter 16. This is the story of the unrighteous steward. Beginning in verse 1. And he said also unto his disciples, There was a certain rich man who had a steward, and the same was accused unto him that he wasted his goods. And he called him and said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship, for thou must no longer steward. Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do for my Lord taketh away from me the stewardship? I cannot dig to beg I am ashamed. I am resolved what to do, that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their house. So he called every one of the Lord's debtors unto him and said unto the first, How much owest thee unto thy Lord? And so what this steward does is he begins to go to these people that owe his boss money and says, if you owe 100, just pay 50 and I'll cancel the debt. If you owe 60, just give me 30 and I'll cancel the debt. Because what he was trying to do was to get favor. So when his boss kicked him out, maybe one of these other guys, would you take him in? Like if you're giving away this guy's goods, what are you going to do when you come into my house? You know what I mean? What are you going to do when you come here? But he was trying to buy his way so possibly somebody else would pick him up and be, he could be a steward in their house. But was he working? Was he being diligent? Was he being creative? He was being everything except what? Faithful. See, a lot of times, and I heard Keith Moore say this, and it's been six months, I don't know, I just can't get it out of my brain. A lot of times we mistake diligence for faithfulness. A lot of times we get mixed up and we think because we are being diligent in a situation that I'm bringing energy, I'm showing up on time, I'm coming early, I'm staying late, I'm sacrificing, I'm doing all those things. That is the definition of someone that is diligent, but that's not the definition of someone who's faithful. A faithful person, in order for them to be faithful, has to do one key thing. What is that? Do what they were told. If my dad said, Jack, we are going to build West Houston Christian Center 
on the moon. Great, Dad, that's going to be a wonderful time. Now, if he doesn't give me any parameters, then it's my job to do what? To be faithful. Somehow get us where we can take West Houston Christian Center and put it on the moon. I'm going to find a rocket and some coffee and donuts, whatever it is that the church needs. And I'm going to get us done. I'm going to get us there. He's given me the vision. I'm going to be faithful to it. But if he comes to me and says, now, Jack, we're going to go to the moon, but I want you to do it this way. I want you to do this first. Then I want you to do this. Then I want you to do this. And then I want you to do this. And then I want you to do this. What I have to do now, now maybe I'm the greatest church planner on the moon the world has ever seen. Maybe I've planted 50 churches on the moon. I am an expert at planting churches on the moon. I got craters, I got moon, I got Sea of Tranquility, I got, I got churches. I know if you want to put a church on the moon, I'm the guy to talk to. So when he tells me his plan for putting the church on the moon, I say, I have a better idea. Beware of the better idea. Because maybe it is a better idea, but he has a vision from God on how this is supposed to happen. And if I'm going to be faithful, then I have to do, even though he's never been to the moon and I've planned to 50 churches on the moon, I still have to submit myself to what he says in order for that to be there. Why is that? Because he might have a word from God and there are things that maybe I don't know. And that if I do it my way, I could get us all killed. The way that God showed him, there's oxygen, there's water, there's food. And, oh, I don't know, maybe a bathroom or two. I don't know. Whatever it is. You see what I'm saying? Even though I might know better, maybe you're submitted to somebody and maybe you know better than they do about what they've asked you to do. You still have to submit to the way that they are asking you to do it in order for you to be faithful and in order for you to get the blessing of being faithful. Now, is there a room for you to come and say, Dad, can I ask you? I have this thought. Can I submit this to you as a potential? And you know what? Then there's the discussion right there. That's being faithful. That's not me saying, he didn't know anything about planting churches on the moon. I'm going to do it, and I'm going to do it right, and I'm going to save him money. I have a better idea. I'm being diligent. I'm not being faithful. Amen? And this answers to me one of the biggest questions that people have in the Bible. Amen? We're going to end with this. Matthew chapter 7. I always wondered about a certain group of people, and I believe this answers the question. Matthew chapter 7, verses uh, 22 and 23. Uh, Actually, let's start 22. Uh, Actually, verse 21. Actually, verse 20. Let's just go to, no, I'm just kidding. Genesis chapter 1. No, Matthew chapter 7, verses 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, driven out demons in your name, and done mighty works in your name? And then I will say to them openly, publicly, I never knew you. 
Depart from me, you who act wickedly, disregarding my commands. There are many people in the body of Christ today that are running around, casting out demons, doing, thing in, doing things in God's name, but they're doing it their own way. They're not submitted to Him or anybody else. And you can work for God, you can be diligent for God all the days of your life, but you're not going to get into the promise unless you do the will of God. We cannot just pick and we can't just decide which way we're going to serve God. I can't just make a decision on how I'm going to serve God. God, I think I am best served serving you this way. And so I go all out and I might sacrifice to do it that way. I might I'll work as hard as I can to to do this thing, but unless it's what he's called me to do, Unless I'm doing it his way, say his way. What happened to anybody in the Bible that ever came to God in their own way? What happened to them? They died. When they touched things they weren't supposed to touch, when the young man touched the ark when it was falling, he died. When Elijah's, who were the two sons of Benadad, and when they put false fire in their censers and they ran around, when they tried to approach God their own way, what happened to them? When we attempt to serve God, we can prophesy in His name, we can speak in tongues in His name, we can cast out demons in His name, but if we're not doing it His way, the way that He told me to do it, submitted to Him, then He says, I never knew you. Depart from me. A lot of people, not in this room, are very diligent about serving God but they're doing it their own way God wants us if you want the blessing if you want the rewards of being faithful a faithful man or woman is going to abound with blessings if I'm not being blessed the way that I think I should I think I need to ask myself why not am I being faithful am I serving Am I, do I have my hand? Everybody in here, if you're a part of West Houston Christian Center, you should be serving somewhere in this church. It is normal, it is healthy, and it is needed. Amen? It is your source, one of your sources of blessing. Amen? Amen? Thank you, Lord. You were supposed to be here at the beginning. You want to do it now? Oh, that's okay. Amen. She's faithful. Amen. Amen. All right, let me say something good now to end with. Uh, you're all really good people. <laughs> Love your hair. You're doing really good. Amen. This, did, you, did this help anybody tonight? Yes, it did. Thank you, Did that explain something? Did it explain some things? Yes. Amen. Each and every one of us, we need to be submitted to someone somewhere. We need to have somebody that can speak into our lives that we value and that we will listen to. We need someone that we can be faithful to. Amen? Thank you, Lord. Let's stand up.